Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Gotham, Beijing. I can't even say it. <laughs> so I can't look at Mel right now because she just got out of the dentist and half of her face looks like she's had a stroke. I do. And I'm dying every time I look at her. <laughs> it's a good thing I <laughs> stop. I hold, I hold my hand up and I cover half her face. <laughs> That half is not laughing. The whole left side of my face literally is like numb up to my eyeball. I had a surgical extraction, a, a membrane put in a bone graft, and like I'm trying to eat like a McFlurry. And oh, this is what we're gonna be like when you're old. When we're old, if that so can have old. a stroke, you better. When we're old and you have plug. a stroke. Fuck that. <laughs> oh, I'm a hot mess right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> Anyway, welcome to episode 23. 23 already. It's of the crazy. Gotham Bougie podcast. Gotham Bougie. We're talking about serial killers today. Yes. You're talking about a serial yes, killer. Yes, I've got a doozy. It's, um, so, disclaimer, whenever we get started on this story, if you're um, weak stomach or you've got kids listening, she's you may want to... She's eating watermelon. To be here, like, something hitting something, she's eating watermelon. I'm always eating something. <laughs> Me and too. I'm, I'm feeding it to my dog. But when we get started on that story, you may want to um, have your kitties get out of the room or put in your earbuds or if you get sick easily, you it's may not wanna... safe for work. Yeah, definitely. Like most of our episodes. So, how has your week been, Mel? Well, this is how my week's been. <laughs> I can't smile. I have a I've had, it looks like I have Bell's palsy. Um, it's been good. We recorded the new podcast Friday night, first episode. We'll see how it goes. I watched for a little bit. It was fun. You know, we'll see how it goes and where it goes. And it's just different platform than Gotham Bougie. And I can tell you're staring at it right now. <laughs> I am. I can't. I can't. Um, I'm sorry. I won't look at you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been good, you know. <laughs> She's dying laughing. Yeah, um, okay. It's been good, yes. you know, other than this fun excitement, everything else is really good. You We're know? both still surviving COVID, coronavirus, COVID-19 yeah. thing. Um, Just getting ready for Mother's Day on Sunday. Have you gone to any of the places it's opened up? I haven't. I'm not. I'm just I haven't not. had a reason to because I'm working from home now. Yeah. And, I have to get on my pajamas. Like, today, I'm like, oh, I have to get dressed and go to the dentist. Like, mm-hmm. and I can just walk next to the room next door, you know. So, no. We had a team meeting um, today, and my boss was like, I don't see us going back anytime soon. Definitely not June. May not be July. May not what? be so September. Because they're going to reintroduce everyone in waves, mm. depending on, like, how critical is it that your your position right. has I to be in the be office. Be, if you can do it from home, then yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, um... She said she, like, put all of us, our team, like, pretty much in the last the phase last because we all can work from home just fine. And we can't do any, you know, programs or anything that we conduct because they're all in-person right. training, so it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, you're still single? I'm still single. I don't think that's ever going to change. If you all of a sudden became not single <clears throat> during a pandemic, <laughs> during lockdown, like what the fuck are you doing yeah i'm still single i'm not rushing it you know the right person comes along they come along that's cool i like your shirt thank you it's deep ellen Mm -hmm. i'm trying not to look at your face (laughs) (laughs) oh and i will not be sharing a picture of how i look right now oh Oh, i moved to a brace from the cast i kind of saw it and then 
Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, she had said, if I do anything, I'm supposed to put the cast back on because it's, like, removable, but um, I'm not doing anything right now. Um, it's You'll really have nice. it off at least for summer so you don't have, like, the tan. Yeah. Because that would suck. Not that you get in the sun a lot anyways because I know you're white, white. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it still hurts all the time. Hurts doing anything. Hurts. I have no range of motion or mobility. Are they going to have to make you go to therapy or? Yeah, that's the next thing is physical therapy, which I'm not looking it's, forward to. Therapy it. is worse than the actual hurting yourself. Yeah, it hurts. <clears throat> yeah, I, I had tried to, to, to move a little bit. I'm like, fuck no. Mm. Yeah, I had to go to therapy when I had the reconstruction of my hand, mm-hmm. the surgery from the um, crock pot. And you have to like learn, like I still don't have fine motor skills. <laughs> She's like covering up half her face to look at only half of my face, y'all. I want to look at this only the so half bad. of your face that is functioning properly. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. It'll start wearing off, hopefully, by the time we're on the second one that we're recording today. Um, but, no, so that's it. But there was good news yesterday. What? Midnight Sun's getting released. Is that real? Yes, it's real. It's <laughs> yeah, but it's just the retelling of, of the same fucking story. It's in Edward's point but of view. who cares? Oh, my God. I care. You know how much of a twilight I read the, um, the teaser that they she put out or whatever she had. Our, so, it got, it got, she hadn't put it out and it took her a while because back whenever they released the first Twilight book, because it's, it's, twi- it's the tw- first book, but it's Edward's point of view or Twilight's, Bella's point of view. Okay. I'm having a hard time talking right now. I know. I'm lo- trying not to look at you. I just, yeah. I want to. I would be interested just to read like how much he wants to eat her and kill her. It is on there. So part of Midnight Sun was on her um, website for a little bit. Yeah, I read that. Got, so this is like the full book. So I'm super excited because I, you know, I'm a twilight. I just would have much rather there be like a prequel to the like let's get, getting back into the Volturi. Yeah, um, and that might happen. Well, I mean, I want even like, a sequel to see what happens yes, now like with Alice and Jasper and like. Renesmee. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah I, I was a huge Twilight freaking fan. I still love I that. didn't mind the books. Yeah. Yeah. I read the books because my older daughter wanted to read them and I didn't know what they were. I didn't want, you know, she was 11, I think. I didn't want her reading porn, basically, because some books come out and they're like <laughs> fucking porn. Um, so I read them and I was like, oh, this is a really great love story. It's, it I is mean, a love it, story. It is. <clears throat> and uh, it was, it, I liked the books. They were okay. The movie? No, the movies were horrible. Blinky Blinkerson. <laughs> yeah, the movies are horrible. It's a great drinking game if you watch that movie and take a drink every time she blinks rapidly. You fucking drunk all the time. Yeah, she'll be drunk before halfway through the movie. So, it, again, it's our serial killer episode. <laughs> and who are we talking about today, Belle? Um, we, this guy's fucked up. Um, they're all fucked up, really. Yeah, I don't know. What serial killer is fucked, fucked up? all fucked up in a way. It's a song of a Pantera. Good friends and a bottle of pills. Oh, okay. I know somebody knows that song. I'm sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, his name is Peter Curtin, and this is German, um, and I know I'm not saying it with the proper German harshness. It's probably like Curtin. I'm not even gonna um, attempt that today. Cause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was known as the Vampire of Dusseldorf. Oh. And also the Dusseldorf monster. And he was prolific during uh, 1929 to 1930. was like he, when he committed most of his murders, but it started very, very early in his life. Oh, so he was, that was during, it was, Hitler was 30s. Yeah, so, so it was, was like right his rise. Right yeah. World mm-hmm. War II. Yes. Because the, the picture you showed me, he looks like Hitler. It's kind of weird. Yeah. No, oh, I, asked, I asked Robert if that was just like and the then, book. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also have a listener story from one of our patrons, Serena. 
So, so you want to start with that? Sure. Yeah, because God only knows what my mouth is going to Hi, play. Serena. Thanks for listening. We're really <laughs> yes, excited. Yes, thank you. We were actually chit-chatting about you Mel before we started. Mel showed me your photos, and you look amazing. Yes, you do. Um, so, hey, y'all. Love the podcast. So I just wanted to tell y'all about my personal haunting. When I would go to my in-laws, strange things happened all the time. On two occasions, as I'm walking into the bathroom, someone would say, What are you doing? The first time, I thought it was my mother-in-law. <clears throat> But I was wrong. We moved in shortly. Yeah, because mother-in-laws are yeah. kind of scary. Too. <laughs> oh, shit. They're, not all the time, not but my ex mother in laws a fucking nut job. <clears throat> we moved in shortly after that, and then it got weird. At night, at night, a female voice would call my name, then sit down on my bed beside me and blow cigarette smoke in my face. Oh. <laughs> okay. A female? Yeah. Hey. The pe- I haven't read this. This is my first time reading this. <clears throat> The paper shutter would go off in the office like a child was playing with it. Rocking chairs would start rocking and a kids, music box kids would start play playing. Kids paper shutters. Rocking, fucking rocking chairs. This is a creepy story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> uh, they never found the source of the music. One day I was taking, because there's a um, music box that started playing as well. So they never found the source of the music. One day I was taking a shower. I'm alone in this house. The bathroom doors start moving like a dog is next to it, scratching. <laughs> that wasn't a dog. That's, that's, that's a demon. That's when you say, I don't have time for this today. <laughs> <laughs> I hear a woman say, now stop that. You know she doesn't like it. I panic, get out of the shower to check and try to call the dogs to me. No luck. I get back in thinking it's my imagination and the doors open. <gasps> I hear a smack and a child's handprint shows up on my shower glass door. Deuces. I'm out. Like, right? <laughs> out. I'm out. Didn't finish the shower. <laughs> few ones... A few ones later, my, or I guess a few minutes later, my in-laws got home. Please take care of Serena. They both heard at the same time. What? The so house, they heard it too, so yes. not just her. Yes. <clears throat> the house burned down last year, and they have a new one. So we shall see if they are still there. Sorry for such a uh, long email. Can't wait until the next podcast. No, that's cool. That's awesome. That's uh, scary. Not only did she hear it, but that's like Blair Witch Project shit. Too. Yeah. Like when the, she's in the tent and all those kids' hands are like, it's like tent. It, this story hit all the creepy like kids. Rocking uh, chair. music. <laughs> uh, rocking chairs and in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Yes. Please let us know like what happened. Um, Mel, do you have any gum? Yes. May I have a piece? Because yes. I've got a little tickle. Yes. Of course. Of course. A little tickle. Oh, so I have a question. So, um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry guys, not COVID. John promise. wanted to know what happened to when I talked to him on the phone the other day. He wants to know what happened to going back to Butter the Bird. Oh yeah, Butter he the Bird. He is so inquisitive about what happened to this Chinese man with the mastiff <laughs> mastiff dog. At he the was door. locked outside. <laughs> Did he ever get in? I don't know because then we went. I guess so because then we went and back once we caught the bird, we went back into our exam room uh-huh. and they shut the door. I don't know why I got but, that. That I can, I can. That image is burned in my brain. <laughs> it is so. He's comical. trying to like ask me about it. And he's laughing. He's like, you can only picture like a, this Chinese man. A little like, Chinese man in the dog. So he was, was a little Chinese. He was a li- <laughs> little Chinese man, struggling both hands on this leash for this gigantic dog, and the dog was pulling him. Mm-hmm. Very excited. Yeah, dog. that's just our huge dog. Yeah, so he's like, he's like, <laughs> you know, you know you're. You like got your legs spread. You're like yeah. trying to provide leverage against oh, he's what trying he's to like, pulling you. Oh my god! Yes. 
Are you laughing at my face? That too. Really. <laughs> also, the Chinese man with the the big dog. Oh gosh. Yeah. So he had so. asked you about that, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know, but I I made a note to specifically ask you about this damn Chinese man and the massive dog. So there you go. And the dog was like. Please lock the door, nurse. Please turn off the ceiling fan, nurse. Oh, Lord. <laughs> like, it's just another day at the office. Yes. And bird flying around. Yes, yes. All right, well, let's, cra- let's okay. crack into I this. I apologize for my little coughs. I don't have COVID, I promise. It is out Coronavirus? It is not. <laughs> this shit is real. Coronavirus. Um, so, yeah, that disclaimer of um, if you do let your younger ones listen to this beforehand... You may want to have them leave the room, or maybe you listen to this first and then tell them if it's okay. Because it is, like, I don't, things don't bother me. And some of this stuff, I was like, God, this guy's fucked up. He's he's a true sexual sadist. Mm. Um, so, Peter Curtin is his name, and like I said, he was known as the Vampire Dusseldorf. I'm really going to try not to look at your face. While I tell this story. <laughs> it would not be appropriate to spontaneously laugh in the middle of this. I'm going to put my mask on. <clears throat> um, that might be better. Yeah. My bathroom print mask. Even though we're socially distant, the mask. Is better? <laughs> I don't know because then your eyes still are kind of fucked up. Right. Okay, anyway, I'm just going to not look at you. <clears throat> but as we talk about on previous serial killer episodes, there have been... Over 220,000 unsolved murders in the U.S. since 1980. And the FBI estimates that between 25 to 50 serial killers are operating in the U.S. at any given time. And most likely, you and I have passed by someone on the street someday. I would like to know if I have. You would like to know who they are? Yeah. I imagine, I always think, you know, whenever these people come to light. I can't talk about this Yeah, please take it off. That people who knew them, like, what's going, like, God, I knew that guy, or... I saw him at Starbucks that day. Yeah, I mean, you wonder, like, yeah, I mean, and you see someone's picture on, like, on the TV, this serial killer was caught, and they're like, oh my God, I was at Target, and he walked Mm -hmm. right by me. Right? And that's the dude down the street, I always watch, you know, mow his lawn or some shit. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, And he mow his lawn, he probably had fucking people in the basement. In the basement, right? (laughs) Chained up. Um, So, he was born May 26, 1883. And he was a German serial killer um, in the town of Dusseldorf. <clears throat> he committed a series of murders and sexual assaults between February and November of 1929. That, that was when he was most active. His, he actually started killing very young. What, what were the dates again? <clears throat> February and November of 1929. Okay, so just that one year. Yes, but he started like, we'll, we'll, we'll go into so 90 years ago. That was when he was most active. That was when he... Um, in the years before those assaults so he had also amassed a lengthy criminal record for such things like arson and attempted murder Mm. and he also confessed to a 1913 murder of a nine-year-old girl um and a 17-year-old girl in Dusseldorf so that was prior to 1929 so there was um, a psychiatrist that interviewed him after so in this guy he was caught he was interviewed he confessed to everything and they let him go no, they didn't let him go. Okay. Um, so oh, there's one of those that confessed everything. Yes, told everything. Submitted to psychi- psychiatric interviews, mm-hmm. told details of everything he did and mm-hmm. why. So it's, it's, he was first um, one of the first serial killers that were, well, of course the term didn't exist, but that was interviewed by a psychiatrist. And um, the psychiatrist, his name is Carl Burke, he was described, this guy just 
described as the king of sexual perverts. <clears throat> he was found guilty of nine counts of murder and seven counts of attempted murder. And he was sentenced to death by beheading in April of 1931. Uh, he was beheaded. Yes, he was beheaded. <clears throat> so he became known as the vampire Dusseldorf because he occasionally made attempts to drink the blood of his victims. And he was known as the Duffeldorf monster because both the majority of his murders were committed in Dusseldorf and because of the savagery that he inflicted on their bodies. He was just fucked up. He got his pleasure not from... Um, I want to know why he's called vampire. Sorry, I have to in my to, mouth. <laughs> he tried to drink some of the victim's blood. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I have to put gauze in my mouth, sorry. I don't know what you just put in your mouth. Because like, I can feel like blood. I can taste yeah, blood. Yeah, you need to like just clamp down. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> so, of course, like a lot of the people that we talk about, he was born into poverty. He was in an abusive family. Um, his He was the third of 13 children. And his parents were alcoholics, and they all lived in a one-bedroom apartment. His father would frequently beat his wife and his mm. children, especially when he was drunk. And when he was drunk, his father would often force his mother and his children to assemble before him before he would order his wife to strip, and then he would rape her in front of the children. In front of the kids? In front of the kids. What the hell? Yes. Mm-mm. In no 18- wonder he's fucked up. Yes. And he blamed his childhood on yes. why he did what he did. Um, he was, his father, this is what I'm talking about, Peter Curtin's father, he was jailed for 15 months in 1894 for committing incest with his 13-year-old daughter. Uh, and then shortly after, his mother obtained a separation order and then remarried and left. But that set the stage for, you know. He's already gotten so yes, much trauma. Crazy. So... Some of these early accounts are from this guy's own accounting. There are, there's no evidence to attest if any of this really happened, but he said it did. So I don't know why this guy would make this shit up. So the first account <clears throat> that he said where he attempted to kill someone was in 1888. He was five years old. What? And he attempted, at five? At five years old, he attempted to drown one of his playmates. <clears throat> Four years later... He then befriended a neighbor who was a local dog catcher. Okay. He lived in the same building, and he began to accompany him whenever he would go on his rounds. And that guy was also a sadist. He would torture the animals and kill the animals that he caught. He's a serial killer in the making. Yes, and he would involve Peter in the um, horrible things that he did to the animals. And then he he became a willing participant in it, including bestiality. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, let me scroll on down here. Bestiality. Good donkey show. I seems can't like, look seems away. Seems to come up every time we talk. Bestiality. <laughs> so, because he was the oldest son, he was the target of the abuse. Like, he got oh, the yeah. brunt of his dad's abuse. Um, he was a good student, and he says he remembered being, um, you know, getting accolades in school but because he was abused he says you know that made his academic um, performance suffer Mm -hmm. and that he also would get bullied in school and he would frequently refuse to go home though because his home life was even worse than his school life so he would run away from home for periods of times from days of week to weeks even when he was very very young and he would be on the streets a lot and you got to think this was early turn of the century so 1900s There were kids all over the streets all the time. Street 91 urchins. years yes. ago. Yes, exactly. So they were all on the streets anyway. 
But he spent, you know, time in the streets. He was often accompanied by petty criminals, social misfits, um, and he was introduced to various forms of crime, in which he first committed as a means to feed and clothe himself. But, of course, he started to get a pleasure from it. Mm -hmm. Um, He later claimed to have committed the second set of murders, was not the first... It wasn't his first murders that were attributed to him by evidence. This is These are, again, things that he said he did. Okay. He said when he was nine years old, he pushed a friend that he knew was unable to swim off of a log raft. Oh. And when a second boy attempted to save the drowning friend... He pushed him. He pushed him, and he held oh. them both underwater, and they both oh. drowned. What? So the authorities attributed those deaths to an accident. There was never any evidence that anyone... But he says... Later on in life, after he was caught and started confessing to everything that led up to Mm -hmm. what he did, he says that was, like, one of the earliest things that he did, that he enjoyed. Mm -mm. So, at the age of 13, in 1896, he formed a relationship with a girl his age who they, you know, would... How old is he now? How is he now? He's 13. Okay. In the story, he's 13. So, this girl would let him, like, fondle her and, you know, make out with her, but she would never let him have sex with her. Well, he got very frustrated over that and he would resort to acts of bestiality with animals sheep, pigs, goats what the hell? in local, yes, to relieve his tension at 13 yeah Um, and he later claimed that he obtained his greatest sense of elation if he stabbed the animals just before achieving orgasm so that was what did it for him was the animals dying, being killed and the blood Wow. That was what got him to orgasm. So because of that, he started stabbing and slashing animals with increasing frequency just to achieve orgasm. Um, but he was adamant that that ended when he observed somebody else stab. When he was observed, someone else observed him, God damn it, stabbing a pig. So he said he stopped doing it because somebody caught him. So he was like fucking pigs and goats. And sheep. And mm-hmm. sheep. Mm-hmm. And dogs. And-, uh-huh. and killing them so that he could... Get off, so he could come. Um, and then he also attempted to rape the same sister that his father molested. Oh, my God. That poor this girl. is all before the age of 14. <clears throat> what the hell? Yeah. So, in 1897, when he was 14, he decided to go ahead and leave school. Oh, look at my Jasper bad dog up there. So sad because I'm not giving him watermelon. Hold on, guys. i got to give my dog a piece of watermelon. It's his favorite thing <laughs> Oh, ever. yes. It's good dash for watermelon. Oh, my God. He said, Mama, I need some watermelon. Good. Here, buddy. Here okay. Go. Sorry. So, when he was 14, he finally decided to leave school. Um, and his father made him get work as an apprentice. Okay. And that lasted for about two years. So, then we're at age 16. And okay. it's 1899. He decided to steal all the money that he could in his house, uh-huh. plus approximately 30 marks, which is like dollars back in the day in Germany, okay. from his employer, and he ran away from home. Okay. He um, developed a brief relationship with a hooker there. At was 14. At 14. No, at 16. At 16 now. Yeah, okay. at 16, but still at 16. Who was two years older than him, and he claimed he liked her because she was a willing participant in any form of sexual perversion that he demanded of her um but that only lasted brief short four weeks and then he was charged with breaking and entering and theft and subsequently sentenced to a month in prison and this was at 16 years old wow so a month later he was released from prison and he went back down the road of petty crime that he was before 
So this is 1899 in mm-hmm. August when he was released from prison. Okay. In November of 1899, okay. he was still 16. This is when he committed his first murder. Like, um, at all these murders that he said before, there was no evidence. So this is the first time he there was a murder something murder. that happened. Yeah. So he says that he met um, an 18 year old girl and persuaded her to accompany him to a local beer hall. They're called Hofgartens, mm-hmm. <clears throat> where he can play. He said he had sex with her before he strangled her to death with his bare hands. Um, there wasn't any contemporary records to, uh, corroborate that, but she either survived or there was... Or she's dead. Yeah, or there was no evidence of who did it, but this is, again, one of the things that they don't know if he did or not, but again, why would you confess to all that? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you're going to get more in trouble by confessing all that stuff, so why would you confess So shortly after, in 1900, he was 17... He was arrested for fraud, and then he would was rearrested later the same year on the same charge, but this time his previous arrest and mm-hmm. attempted murder of a girl with a firearm was added to the indictment. But I could never find anything about this attempted murder of a girl with a firearm or what happened. It's crazy. Yeah. So he was then sentenced four years in prison. Okay. In October of nineteen hundred. He served that sentence in Derendorf, which is kinda of like a suburb of Dusseldorf. So then he was released in the summer of 1904, and he's 21. He was drafted into the German army. Mm-hmm. This is World War One. Because they really want someone like that in the army. In the German army, especially. <laughs> our Shit. army. Well, I don't know. Our army's got those fuckers, too. Yeah. But German but, army's even yes. worse. So he, but he deserted. It wasn't his way of life, I guess. Mm. And then in that... Uh, that fall, 1904 through 1905, he began committing acts of arson. He uh, would discreetly watch from a distance away as they came to extinguish the fires, and he said that that excited him to see. Arson, the mm-hmm. fire. Yeah, just getting people upset. Mm-hmm. He, he, like, thrived off that. So the majority of those were in barns and haylofts, and he would admit to police that he committed around 24 acts of arson upon his arrest that New Year's Eve. He freely admitted that these fires had committed both for his sexual assignment and in the hopes of burning sleeping homeless people alive. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> homeless people that are like fucking... Yeah, just sleeping in the barns. Oh, hoping, hoping that they would Thank be burned to death. Thank God he got... You could, it would. Oh. Oh so, God, in 1905, as a result of his deserting the army, he was tried by the military system and convicted of desertion. In addition to multiple counts of arson, robbery, attempted robbery... Um, and he was in prison from 1905 to 1913. Mm. So he served his sentence, and he spent much of that time in solitary confinement because well, good. he um, would repeatedly cause trouble, so it's like insubordination. And he later claimed to investigators and psychologists that this period of incarceration, this is what kills me, is when he first encountered severe forms of discipline, and as such, the erotic fantasies he had early developed while incarcerated before expanded to include graphic fantasies of his striking out at society and killing masses of people. What the hell? These fantasies became ever more paramount and overbearing in his mind, and he later claimed that he derived the sort of pleasure from these visions like somebody else would probably get from thinking about a naked woman. So, this just festered in his mind from 1905 to 1913. From being in solitary confinement. Yes, that he just wanted to kill people. He was just that, that ready to kill people. Um, and he then said that he would occasionally spontaneously ejaculate when he was preoccupied with the thoughts of just killing people. Oh. That's scary. Yes. 
Um, so then he was released in 1913. And he was 30 years old. And then this okay. was the first time that there was actual evidence of a murder. His first one that he was tried and convicted of. Um, mm-hmm. So with his first murder that he definitely committed <clears throat> was about May 25th, 1913. During the course of a burglary at a tavern. Um, uh, somebody's knocking on my door, so we'll have to pause for just a moment. Okay, sorry, sorry guys. Um, that was my Amazon. I didn't know it was going to be delivered. Amazon takes so long now. It's almost it like Wish. It's ridiculous. I forgot I ordered something. Thank God it's not like Wish. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, picking back up, um, that was during the course of a burglary at a tavern. He encountered a nine-year-old girl named Christine Klein asleep in her bed. Yeah, I know. It, but his his crimes really ranged. Okay, now you're talking about it. Wasn't all kids. children? Wasn't all? Yeah, it did range. Um, that was the weirdest thing about him is that there was no rhyme or reason to his his mo, which is also what confused. He just killed whoever he could get yes. his hands on. Yes. So he encountered a nine-year-old girl named Christine Klein. She was asleep in her bed. He strangled her and then slashed her throat twice with a pocket knife. And when he heard the blood dripping from her wounds to the floor, it, it caused him to spontaneously ejaculate. Um, just so he would just hearing eject- the blood. he would just like that would cause orgasm him. just because he heard like blood yes, dripping. Yes, that like was not it. jacking off, not anything else. He nope. would just be standing there and be like, "Oh God!" Yes. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I wish it was that easy. That <laughs> <laughs> shit. Um, just wait. Who the fuck needs a man if it was but that easy? But wait, there's more. Oh, shit. <laughs> Order now. Um, so the following day, he specifically returned to that area to have a drink in a, a tavern across the street so that he could hear the locals' reaction to the murder. He really got off on After they found Yes, the on hearing people be shocked and disgusted. Um, and he would, you know, listen to people talk. And then in the weeks following her funeral, he occasionally would travel back to visit her grave adding that when he handled the soil covering her grave, it also would cause him to spontaneously what? ejaculate. Yeah. That's oh. just horrible. Um, He's some kind of special. Two months later, again during the course of committing a burglary, he broke into a home and he discovered a 17-year-old girl named Gertrude Franken, and he again strangled her mm-hmm. and ejaculated at the sight of blood coming from her mouth. He managed to escape the scene of both murders with no one seeing him there. So there was no evidence. No, nobody, like, had a witness. There was obviously evidence. I mean, not evidence, but, like, nobody said, like, I saw this guy and he looked like this. And it was, you know, before the days of DNA or blood typing, so none of that. Um, So then just days after he murdered Gertrude on July 14th, he was arrested for a series of arson attacks and burglaries. And he was sentenced to six years in prison. Now, they didn't know he had killed two people just a few days, two girls just before mm-hmm. this. Um, and again, because he repeatedly was insubordinate, and he had extended his sentence an additional mm-hmm. two years. So he actually didn't get out for eight more years. He was in prison. He should have been in prison for murdering yeah. two girls, but this was just for arson and burglaries and stuff. So he was released, released in April of 1921, and he was 38. Uh-huh. He relocated um, to Altenburg, where he lived with his sister, um, and he became acquainted with a woman three years his senior, who was a sweet shop proprietor. It's a sweet shop proprietor. 
and a former prostitute oh. who had previously been convicted of shooting her fiancé to death. Oh, okay. So there were two peas in a pod. Um, and he told her he was a former prisoner of war. So that was oh. his explanation of what was happening. So, prisoner of war. Okay. Yeah. So two years later, while he's married to her, um, he got married to her. And although they cut regularly engaged in sex, he says that he admitted that he could only consummate his marriage by fantasizing about committing violence against someone else. And that only after their wedding night did he only have sex with her if she invited it and he would have to have these fantasies of killing somebody in order to be able to have sex with her oh. and come. Um, that sucks. He did get regular employment and became an active trades official. And then he had no close friendships. Um, he decided to return back to Dusseldorf when he was 42 in 1925. And he... Um, started up two affairs with a servant girl and a housemaid. And both of those women were frequented to partial strangulation. And when they submitted to intercourse, she was told by, they were told by him that that's what love means. Strangulation and rape is basically the way he defined love, was strangulation and rape. Oh. Um, when his wife discovered that he was, you know, being a cheating motherfucker, which that's what cheating Spouses mm-hmm. are motherfuckers, mm-hmm. as we both know. Um, mm-hmm. They're more than that, but yeah. Right. Uh, one of them reported him to the police claiming that he had seduced her, and he was charged with seduction. This was a charge. And seduction? Was, yes, seduction. He served six months. Uh, wait, he got an eight-month prison sentence for seduction and threatening oh. behavior. Oh, Thank God that's so, not a thing. Yeah, now. thank God. Well, I'd be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> I would be too. Trust me. <laughs> so he did get early release with the condition that he'd never go back to Dusseldorf, but he appealed that and he was able to go back to Dusseldorf. That's where his life was, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where he lived. So now it brings us to 1929, and this is when things really picked up. So, oh, because I just didn't pick up the whole. Yeah, this all this along was just like backstory. <laughs> take a break. Um, oh, yes, so take let's a take a break. break, a break, a break, a real break, because that other break wasn't a break, and then we will get back into um, the Vampire of Dusseldorf. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear why he's called the Vampire. Yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Welcome back to that little break. Back. I have gauze in my mouth, so I sound funny. That's why. And I'm going to still keep trying to not <laughs> look at you. <laughs> I hate this out. Um, so then, yeah, we're back. Now we're in 1929. I'm waiting. Ew. That's gross. <laughs> I told you I could taste it. Yeah. And you're talking about vampires. I know. It's very, um. Uh, Don't put your germs on my table. It's on a, a white thingy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so we are now in 1929. So on February 3rd. He's now 46. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to calm down, but whatever. No. He stalked an er- elderly woman named Apollonia. I like that name. Apollonia. Waiting until she was... Is she sh- a sex shooter? <laughs> shooting love in your direction. Isn't that the name of the lady in Prince? Oh, in no, a purple rain? Oh, I think so, but you sound all muffled. <laughs> <laughs> Her name's Apollonia. Is it? Yes. Oh, that's cute. From Purple Rain. Um, anyway, he waited until that until she was hidden from view by some bushes, and he pounced on her, grabbed her by her coat, 
and shouting at her not to scream and he dragged her into the nearby undergrowth where he proceeded to stab her 24 times with a sharpened pair of scissors. 24 times? Look, that's the scissors that he used. Oh, I have to send a, a picture of this. Yeah. Those are kind of cool looking. Though. Aren't they? Um, he stabbed her 24 times with a sharpened pair of scissors. Although many of the blows were inflicted so deep that the scissors struck her bones, she survived. Oh. Yes. But missed like major arteries. Right, she survived. Um, and those are the scissors that he used in many of his attacks. What the? Oh, he kept using the same ones? Mm-hmm. What the hell? Five days later, five days later, um, he um, strangled a nine-year-old girl named Rosa. Oh, my God. He um, strangled, strangled her until she passed out. And then he stabbed her in the stomach, temple, genitals, and heart with scissors. Um, the genitals? Mm-hmm. That, of course, made him ejaculate as he killed her. Oh, my God. And he then made an effort to hide her body by dragging it beneath the hedge. But um, he returned later with a bottle of kerosene and tried to burn her. Um, and then he says he also achieved orgasm at the side of the flames. Of her burning body. He was some kind of special. Her body was found beneath a hedge the following day, and five days after that, he murdered a 45-year-old mechanic named Rudolf Scheer in the suburb of Flingen Nord, stabbing... Usually it's all women. Yeah, no, yeah. So this is what really threw the police off because they thought it was multiple people because he had no Because all girls and women, now it's a man? It's, yeah. What really, he says later, what really... The only thing linking any of them was that it was the violence that got him off. He it's needed crazy. to have violence to get off against anyone. It didn't matter whom. Um, so that's why it was like it was sexual, but not towards that person. It didn't right. matter what the person was. Right. It was the act. It was what got him it's off. Crazy. So yeah, it was a 45-year-old mechanic named Rudolf Scheer. He stabbed him 20 times, particularly about the head, the back, and the eyes. Following the discovery of his body, he returned to the scene of the murder to talk to the police mm-hmm. and told the detective that he had heard about the murder via what? telephone. Yeah. What? He just was like, oh, I just heard about it. And oh, came my back. God. He's extra. So, despite the differences in the age and the sex of the victims, the fact that all the crimes had committed, been committed in a certain area and the way that they were murdered, mm-hmm. they did think it was probably the same person. Mm-hmm. You don't um, say. Right, right. Um... But the seemingly random selection of these victims led criminologists at the time to remark of the abnormal nature of the perpetrator. So then from February to August of 1929, there were no more killings, knowing that he actually achieved murder. But he did attempt to strangle four women between March and July, one of whom he claimed to have thrown into the Rhine River. On August 11th, he raped, strangled, and then repeatedly stabbed a young woman named Maria Hahn. He first met her, who he described as a girl looking for marriage on August 8th, and had arranged to take her on a date. Where's his wife? She's at home. Okay. It's usually when she was working at night, is what he says later, is when he did this stuff. So he was taking her on a date, and after several hours in her company, he lured her into a meadow in order that he could kill her. He later admitted that she had repeatedly pleaded with him to spare her life as he alternately strangled her stabbed her in the chest and head or sat on top of her waiting for her to die and ejaculated (laughs) um he probably did but it doesn't say that specifically but i'm sure he did wait there's more oh Um, he died she it took her about an hour to die what that's horrible yeah i know that was just oh my god she was 
all that time just, you know, pleading for her life mm. not to kill her. And so it took her an hour to die. And then because after he killed her and went home, his wife noticed blood on his clothes. Mm. And he was afraid that she might connect the two. Mm. So he went back to bury her body so that nobody would find her. Oh, my God. So he went back to bury her body. And then he came back again several weeks later because he was wanting to nail her decomposing body to a tree in a mock crucifixion so that it would shock and disgust the public. But her body was too heavy for him to do it, so he wasn't able to do it, so he just buried her again. Um, and he said that he would return to... Wait, so he buried her, and then he went back... Went back, dug her up. Tried to pick her up. Tried to pick her up so that he could crucify her to shock everybody. This decomposing body, mm -hmm. yeah. and then put her back uh -huh. on the ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He says that... He embraced and caressed the decomposing body as he lay beneath her remains. He then reburied her. And according to his later confession, both before and after mm. he attempted to impale her, he went to the grave many times and kept improving on it. Every time I thought of what was lying there and was filled with satisfaction. So That's he what ejaculated. He yeah, more. so every, you know, just going back to the grave site. That's um, horrible. Excited him. So after he murdered Maria, he changed his choice of weapon from scissors to a knife because he wanted to try to mm -hmm. keep the police guessing and not thinking that it was all him doing all this shit. Um, but they put it all together. So then in the early morning of August 21st, he randomly, this is this, just on a morning jog, I guess. <laughs> the fuck? He randomly stabbed an 18-year-old girl, okay. a 30-year-old man, and a 37-year-old woman the same morning? in separate attacks. What the hell? Yes. All three were seriously wounded, and all stated police that their assailant had not spoken a word to them before he attacked them. Mm. Then, three days later, at a fairground, he observed two foster sisters, one being 5 years old, one being 14 years old, mm -hmm. and they were walking home from the fair. Um... He sent the older girl, Louise, on an errand to purchase cigarettes okay. for him upon the promise that he would give her some money when she came back. Mm -hmm. When she was gone, he lifted the younger girl, Gertrude, another Gertrude, off the ground by her neck and strangled her into con unconsciousness before cutting her throat and discarding her body in a patch of beans. What the hell? Yeah. When the older girl, Louise, returned to the scene, he partially strangled her before stabbing her in the torso with one wound piercing her aorta. He also bit and twice cut her throat before sucking the blood from their wounds. Oh, hence why he became mm -hmm. the vampire. Neither girl had been sexually assaulted, and the fact that only the older girl's footprints were found around the body suggests that she may have attempted to flee before she collapsed. Um, mm. The very next day, he attacked a 27-year-old housemaid named Gertrude again, this is a popular name, though. Gertrude. I mean, um, Germany. Yeah. Gertrude. Um, because he asked her openly to mm -hmm. have sex with him, and she refused. And because he, she refused him, he said, well, die then, and repeatedly stabbed her in the head, neck, and shoulder, and back. Oh, my God. She survived. You don't want to have sex with me. Fuck, right. Then, then I'm I kill, kill you, you, so I'll mm -hmm. ejaculate with on my own. Yes. So she actually survived, but she couldn't tell the investigators anything about him other than he seemed to be about 40 years old. Oh my God. So this is how he, he's eluding police, is that nobody's really getting a good look at him. I oh, know, doesn't my dog look so sad? <laughs> he just sad? looks at me so sad. He's like, Sorry, everybody. He wants some watermelon. He can't have it no more. He'd be sick. 
anyway, this is how he's alluding. You know, no one's really getting a good look at him because mm-hmm. he's so violent, and mm-hmm. he either stabs them, then runs away, or he kills right. them. So he did attempt to murder two other victims, one by strangulation, another by stabbing, in September. And then he decided to change his um, weapon to be a hammer. Oh. Yes. So we're still in 1929. What the hell? So on the evening of September 30th, he encountered a 31-year-old servant girl named Ida. And he successfully persuaded her to accompany him to a cafe. Then for a walk around the local Hof Garden, which is the beer hall, and close to the river. Um... Once he got her over there, he repeatedly struck her in the head with a hammer, both before and after he raped her. Oh. At one stage in the assault, she gained consciousness and began pleading with him to spare her life. And in response, he simply gave her more hammer blows on the head and, quote, misused her, his own words. Eleven days later, on 11th of October, he encountered a 22-year-old servant girl Mm -hmm. named Elizabeth outside of a theater. Um, just like the other girl, she agreed to accompany him for a drink, go to a cafe, go for a walk. Um, then she was also struck once across her right temple with a hammer and then raped. He struck her repeatedly about the head and both temples with a hammer, hammer and left her for dead. That's fucking crazy. She was found at 6.30 a.m. the following morning and she died from her injuries the following day. And she never awoke from the coma that she was in. Yeah, so he's fucking psycho. And he's getting away with all this shit. Yeah. Um, Nuts. So then on October 25th, again, just eight or so months between October 20, you know, yeah. the 1929, he attacked two other women with a hammer. Both of them survived, although in the second instance, it's only because his hammer broke during the attack. Oh, okay. Yeah. On November 7th, now we're in November, he encountered a five-year-old girl named Gertrude. Oh, no. Another Gertrude. Another Gertrude. And um, he persuaded her to accompany him to a section of deserted allotments. I guess it's maybe like a parking lot or... Stranger danger. Yeah. No kidding. He seized her by the throat and strangled her, stabbing her once in the left temple with a pair of scissors. When she collapsed to the ground without a sound... He stabbed the child 34 more times what the hell? in the temple and chest before leaving her body in a pile of nettles against the factory oh wall. Oh, my God. That's horrible. A lot of this is his own. Like, they have, they know what the murder was, and then he tells them all these details of what happened during the murder. Oh, my God. Like, he remembers, he remembered it so vividly. I'm sure, because he's a psychopath. Yes. So then, you know, by the summer of 1929... The murders were, like, the press was like, what's going on? That's when they started dubbing him the Vampire of Dusseldorf. Mm-hmm. Um, it got considerable national tension, international tension, just because they were so fucking savage. Um, also, because the victims were diverse, there was nothing... Right. There was different methods of killing them. They, they didn't know, you know, people didn't know what in the hell was happening. The police and the press theorized that they were the work of more than one perpetrator, Actually, it was just him. And by the end of 1929, the police had received more than 13,000 letters from the public. And they, each one of the leads was painstakingly pursued. So they used the police in surrounding areas to to track down all these letters, to track down everything. But they still didn't Mm -hmm. figure out who he was. As a result of the collective investigation, more than 9,000 interviews were conducted. And 26,000, no. 
2,600 other clues painstakingly pursued. It was a list of 900,000 different names that were compiled upon an official potential suspect list. What the hell? I had no idea who this guy was because there was nothing oh my God. telling them who he was. And then, weirdly, I guess he was... You know, it often happens with serial killers. They're, it's almost like they're ready to get caught. Yeah. They get sloppy. Yeah, or, or, you know, they write stuff to the police. So, so that's what he did. Mm-hmm. In October, so three months after he had murdered that first lady, Maria, mm-hmm. the one that he went back and reburied, he sent an anonymous letter to the police in which he confessed to the murder, adding that her remains had been buried in a field. And in the letter, he drew a crude map describing where her remains were. Okay. And that letter did um, sufficiently lead them to her body and um, allow them to locate her and dig her up. So, two days after that little girl, the, mm-hmm. the last Gertrude, a local com- communist newspaper received a map revealing the location of the grave of Maria Hahn. Oh. In the drawing, he also revealed precisely where he had left um, her body, which had been found... At early- least he knew. Yes, like- yes. Which had already been found earlier that day by the police. And it described the exact position of her, course, of her corpse, which he stated could be found face down among bricks and rumble. An analysis of the handwriting revealed that it was the same author that wrote the letter to the police and wrote the letter to the um, newspaper. Mm-hmm. So they figured, okay, this is the same guy. It's definitely the guy who killed her. Um, he also, each letter, he, he started sending other letters. And he described his exploits, his um, threatening, you know, he threatened further assaults and murders. Um, and they all confirmed it was the same person that had written each letter. Mm-hmm. So the chief inspector, the Berlin police, was Ernst Gannat, and it led him to conclude that it, it definitely was one man responsible for everything. That's you know, all crazy. this time they were thinking it was just, right. you know, some rash of crimes. So the murder of the little girl, Gertrude, proved to be his final, like, fatal attack. The last time he attacked someone and actually Thank ended up God, killing them. No, no, no. Fatal attack. Oh, fatal. <laughs> oh, Lord. Although he did engage in, a, in some non-fatal hammer attacks... And attempted strangulations between February and May 1930, maiming 10 victims in those assaults. All those recipients, though, survived, and many were able to describe their attacker to the police. So, still, though, none of this led them to know who he was. Like, all right. these people had descriptions, but no one knew who he, who he was until... It's crazy he went from just different motives like to kill people with from scissors to hammer to Mm -hmm. To, yeah yeah um so then this was his undoing on may 14th 1930 an unknown man approached a 20 year old woman named maria budlick and i first want to tell my husband about this i tell him maria budlick and he said butlick i'm like no her name is not (laughs) butlick Like I was gonna Thank say, God, that's not. I mean, Titsworth is bad enough. That Butlick, come on now. I, I was like, yeah. Anyway, her name was Maria Butlick, Bud Budlick, um, at the train station. So um, that man was trying to offer her to go to a local hostel, mm-hmm. but she and she agreed to follow him. But she got apprehensive when he attempted to lead her through a scarcely populated park. They began to argue. And another man approached them, mm-hmm. asking if she was okay or being pestered. So the other man that approached those two was Peter Curtin. He saved mm-hmm. this lady from this other man. What? 
Yes. And then he invited her to go to his apartment. To either eat. way, she thought. Yes, either way. She, yeah. So, Kurt and he invited her to back to his apartment to eat and drink. Um, and then she correctly figured, out, figured that, you know, he was trying mm. to have sex with her. Um, she did tell him that she was uninterested in engaging in intercourse with him. He calmly agreed and offered to lead her back to a hotel, but he instead lured her into the woods where he seized her by the throat and attempted to strangle her as he raped her. When she began to scream, he released his grasp on her throat and allowed her to leave. Allowed her to leave. (laughs) Whatever. He'd already raped her, though. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. She says that um, she convinced him that she did not remember where the apartment was that he took her to, Mm -hmm. and that's why he let her go. So she didn't report this to the police. Mm-hmm. This is what this is what's kind of weird twist about this how he got caught. What she did was she wrote a letter to her friend mm-hmm. and told her friend about it. Like if I wrote a letter to you and told mm-hmm. you about it, mm-hmm. look what this motherfucker tried to do to me. And then I'd be killing him. <laughs> right? But she addressed it wrong. Oh. So because she addressed it wrong, the post office couldn't deliver it and there was a post office representative who opened it and read it. <gasps> And when they opened it and read it, they turned it over to the police. Oh, damn. And then the police went back to her and asked her, because they're like, wait, I wonder if this is the guy that's, you know, killing oh, all, these, all these people. Yeah. So a fucking male mistake caught, got him caught. So, um. That paper trail, man. Right? So they went and found her and they, and you know, questioned her and she, you know, said, you know, I he let me go because I told him I couldn't remember mm-hmm. his address but she did she remembered exactly where it was she took the police to his home um, and when the landlady let them in uh, she said okay yeah this is definitely where I was that night um, Peter came home and saw them he was in the hallway and uh-huh. he saw the police there with that lady so he knew up oh, my, my tickets up they know it's me now so he left and went back to his wife's house. So, we had this separate apartment. Okay, this is going to ask. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, we had this separate apartment that he would take these women to. So, when he went back to his wife, he told his wife that, hey, you know, I, this lady kind of led me on and I ended up raping her. And I'm oh, probably. Oh, a raper. Yeah, and I'm, pro- you know, when they find me, I'm probably going to be in jail for like 15 years. Um, so, then his wife helped hide him for a little bit. Right. Yeah. But then on May 23rd, he came home, and that's when he actually told his wife everything. He confessed that he was actually the vampire of Dusseldorf. Apparently, he really loved this woman that he was married to. He didn't hurt her, so I mean... Yeah, yeah. So, he confessed that he was the vampire of Dusseldorf, and then with his consent, he urged her uh-huh. to turn him in so that she could collect the reward. Oh, okay. And she did. So, she contacted the police the following day... And she told the detectives everything. She said that, you know, she knew her husband, um, but she didn't think that he could be culpable in any of the murders. But she did say that he did confess to her of all of it and that he was also willing to likewise confess to the police. Mm. So that's how they apprehended him. He was apprehended by gunpoint. So he did freely admit his guilt in all the crimes that police had attributed to the vampire of Dusseldorf, and he further confessed that he committed the unsolved murders of Christine Clyde and Gert, those other two, in Mm -hmm. 1913. And in total, he admitted to 68 crimes, including 10 murders and 31 attempted murders. 
He made no attempt to excuse his crimes, but justified them upon the basis that what he saw when he was a child, like all the injustices that he endured, not mm-hmm. just being a child and being abused, but being imprisoned. Can you imagine how many cases they no closed? No kidding. Yes. So he says it was all because of the injustices that he had endured throughout his whole life. But he did say that he he did not torture any of his child victims, that he just killed them. Still? That, yeah, he, that was like his excuse. Well, I was tortured as a child, but and I killed these other kids, but I didn't torture them. I just needed them to be dead so I could get off. I, I was tortured as a kid, so I felt like I needed yeah. to torture them, mm-hmm. even though they did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. He admitted, it, he admitted to investigators and psychiatrists that the actual sight of his victim's blood was sufficient to bring him to orgasm. And that on occasion, if he experienced ejaculation in the act of strangling a woman, strangling a woman, like before he killed her, he would immediately become apologetic and proclaim that that's what love was all about. So if he was able to get off before she died, he let her go. The fuck? He also claimed to have drunk the blood from the throats of a victim, but didn't say who, which victim, and the temple of another one, and to have licked blood from victims' hands. Um, Lick blood from their hands? Yeah. In one of the instances, he said he drank so much blood from the neck wound he had inflicted. Oh, no. This is... He actually did say it was Maria Hahn, that first one, that mm-hmm. he vomited, because he drank so much blood from her, it caused him oh, to vomit. Oh, that's so gross. Right? Yeah. <laughs> He also admitted to having decapitated a swan, a swan, in the spring of 1930 in order that he could drink the blood from his neck. Oh. And he achieved orgasm in the process. Oh. He was a character for sure. Yes. So, um, he, they did determine, the psychiatrist that uh, interviewed him, because he was awaiting execution, mm-hmm. They did determine that his primary motive in committing any of the criminal activities was one of sexual pleasure, that he had begun to associate sexual excitement with violent acts and the sight of blood via indulging in both daydreams and masturbation, particularly when he had been isolated from human contact. He was contact. fucking crazy. That's yes. all he was is fucking crazy. That's all you got right there. The majority of his assaults committed when his wife was working evenings, and the number of stab or blushing wounds that he inflicted upon each victim varied upon the length of time it took him to get off. Mm-mm. Yeah. He's crazy. Furthermore, the actual sight of the victim's blood had been integral to his sexual stimulation. So it was the blood that got him off seeing the blood. Just wait till you hear what his last words were. Um, He did say that once he did commit the murder or attack, he felt a sense of relief. Mm -hmm. Um, He stressed that it didn't matter what his weapon was, that the ultimate goal was just to see the blood. It didn't matter. That's why it didn't matter what he took. He actually said... Whether I took a knife or a pair of scissors or a hammer in order to see blood was a matter of indifference to me or mere chance. Often after the hammer blows, the bleeding victims moved and struggled, just as they did when they were throttled. So it didn't matter to him. That's horrible. He did confide that although he occasionally penetrated his female victims, he had only done so to feign the act of intercourse as a motive for his crimes. He also confessed that many of his later strangulation victims had only survived because he was able to achieve orgasm before he killed them. What the hell? Yes. That's just nuts. He did say, you know, it was he did this because he wanted to strike back at the oppressive society. Um, mm. He was on trial for 12 days. So on April 13th, 1931, he actually stood trial. That's when he was charged with the nine counts of murder and seven of attempted murder. Um, it lasted 10 days. Sorry. Oh, this was really cool. 
So during the trial, uh, he would spend the duration of his trial surrounded by a heavily guarded, shoulder-high iron cage specifically constructed to protect him from attack by the enraged relatives of the victims. And his feet shackled when he was inside the cage. So during his trial, he was in a cage. They should have been able to attack him. Look what he right? did to the family yes. members. So it lasted 10 days. On April 27th, the jury retired to consider. It took them two hours before they reached their verdict. He was found guilty and sentenced to death on nine counts of murder. Um, he displayed no emotion as the sentence was passed. He did say in his final address to the court that he now saw his crimes as being so ghastly that he did not want to make any sort of excuse for them. This was one of his last quotes. Never have I felt any misgiving in my soul. Never did I think to myself that what I did was bad, even though human society did condemns it. My blood and the blood of my victims will be on the heads of my torturers. There must be a higher being who gave in the first place, the first vital spark of life. That higher being would deem my actions good since I revenged injustice. The punishments I have suffered have destroyed all my feelings as a human being. That was why I had no pity for my victims. Mm. So he didn't lodge an appeal, although he did submit a petition for pardon, which was thrown out, was formally rejected. Um, he was sentenced to decapitation by guillotine. He received his last meal. He ordered Wiener Schnitzel, <laughs> not the drive-thru, oh, a bottle shit. of white wine and fried potatoes, and he asked for seconds, which they decided to go ahead and give him. At 6 o'clock in the morning of July 2nd, he was beheaded by guillotine on the grounds of Klingelputz Prison in Cologne. He walked unassisted to the guillotine, flanked by a prison psychiatrist and a priest. Get this, though. Shortly before his head was placed on the guillotine, he turned to the psychiatrist and asked this question. He said, tell me, after my head is chopped off, will I still be able to hear or see for at least a moment the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? That would be the pleasure to end all pleasures. What the hell? The man's fucking psychotic. <laughs> He was just worried about ejaculating the last yes. head cut off? Yes, at the side of his own blood. When he was then asked if he had any last words, he just said no and smiled. So then following his execution, his head was bisected and mummified, and the brain was removed and subjected to forensic analysis in an attempt to explain his personality and behavior. Yes, but they already... I can already tell you it's from everything he went through as a mm, child. Yeah. It's not that he it, was born that way. Right, it revealed no abnormalities. It's the trauma from his childhood. And then he's just fucked up. So was he born bad? Because he started at five years old. Or is it just... See, the whole nature versus nurture thing just really intrigues yeah. me. Yeah. Because there are people who are born into that kind of stuff and they never had to do that. They are. You're right. But I mean, the, but to me, like, he had so much trauma. And maybe he was born, but it triggered it. It triggered maybe. more and more and more. So they did... The autopsy did find that they he had an enlarged thymus gland. Mm-hmm. But that's all. There was nothing... any No other physical abnormality... No trauma to the brain, nothing. So the interviews that he granted to Dr. Carl Berg in 1930-1931 proved to be the first psychological study mm-hmm. conducted upon a sexual serial killer. The interviews formed the basis of Berg's book called The Sadist. So here's what I thought was the most interesting thing. This is the last bit. Shortly after World War II, mm-hmm. his head was transported to the United States. Not that, huh? It is currently on display mm-hmm. at the Ripley's, believe it or not, in Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin. What the hell? You go see his head. 
I'm good. But you have to go to Wisconsin. What the fuck's well, in Wisconsin? Well, cheese. <laughs> I mean, and then where the cheese heads are? Yes, that's what yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So yeah, that is Peter Curtin, the Vampire of Dusseldorf. That's crazy. Up. He is a crazy man for sure. I can't believe the last thing he wanted to do was be able to see his own blood so he spurt can from his, so he could get off in his brain one last time. Oh my god, I can't. Nah, I don't know. Right. I'm getting better. My mouth is looking better. Your mouth better. is looking better. And it's all swollen. Can you tell it's puffy? No, but when you talk out of that side of your mouth, it like blows like... Because <laughs> you can't move your mouth. I'm like, bye-bye. <laughs> toot <laughs> Oh, shit. All right, guys. That was episode 23. You got to give our little, little um, oh. hashtags and shit, whatever you do on your thing. Okay. <laughs> you say Yes, go to Instagram, Facebook, Gotham Bougie Podcast, and um, also on Twitter, GNP1, or Gotham Bougie 1. <laughs> She's taking a picture of me. You gotta turn your head this way. <laughs> and then um, also go to Patreon <laughs> slash Gotham Bougie Podcast. <laughs> Delete that shit. <laughs> posting it i don't ever post i'm posting that <laughs> okay sorry what were you saying uh um, bougie <laughs> you better delete that shit delete it that is not post worthy watch the live watch the live <laughs> it's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n slash gotham bougie podcast um we would love for you guys to be a patron on our patreon our patrons can already tell you that it's. You better delete that shit. <laughs> I hate you. I'm putting a mask on. I'm crying. I don't hate you. Those are we will not be posted ever. These are pictures that are not allowed to be posted. No, I'm posting it. I'll put a filter on it. <laughs> <laughs>